your reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Hello. Uh, nice to be with you again. You know, I have, uh, I have two pieces of important correspondence I got this week, and it's kind of out of character for me to do this, but uh, to read these when I get these kinds of correspondence. But I'm going to do this because I, I got two of them. And I, I felt like, well, I just feel like it's important for me to share this this week. So I'm going to start with this first one. Um, a teenage boy had just passed his driving test and inquired of his father as to when they could discuss his use of the car. His father said he'd make a deal with his son. You bring your grades up from a C to a B average, study your Bible a little, and get your hair cut. Then we'll talk about the car. The boy thought about that for a moment, decided he'd settle for the offer, and they agreed on it. After about six weeks, the father said, Son, you've brought your grades up, and I've observed that you've been studying your Bible, but I'm disappointed you haven't had your hair cut. The boy said, You know, Dad, I've been thinking about that, and I've noticed in my studies of the Bible that Samson had long hair, John the Baptist had long hair. Moses also had long hair. And there's even strong evidence that Jesus had long hair. Very lovingly, the dad replied, Did you also notice that they walked everywhere they went? <laughs> I've got um, one more very important piece of correspondence. Um, both of these got sent to me this week. Uh, a little girl was talking to her teacher. Now, I love this one. I have to tell you, I'm going to try to read this without laughing. A little girl was talking to her teacher about whales and how she'd heard in Sunday school about how a whale had swallowed Jonah. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it was a very large mammal, its throat was very small. The little girl remained steadfast in her position and reiterated that indeed, a whale had swallowed Jonah. Very irritated, the teacher again stated that a whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible. The little girl said, I'm not sure how it happened, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. The teacher replied smugly, what if Jonah isn't in heaven? What if he ended up going to hell? And without a single pause, the little girl replied, then you ask him. I don't care where you come from. Uh, that's funny. So I had to do that. You know, and it makes me think, um, it just makes me want to tell you one thing as we get started. As we're distanced like this, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. I, d I do pretty good by myself most of the time. But there, it's, it struck me this week, there are those of you out there that the hardest part of this, the greatest suffering you're having, is this severing of interaction that refills you. So let me just encourage you, church, um, do an inventory. Think of someone that you would normally be seeing more and you haven't lately and, and do a reach out. Just just a social call. Um, let them spill what's going on in their life or, or make each other laugh. Um, reach out to each other. Don't don't forget that. Um, so anyway, that's why I, I got both of those. I had to start with some jokes. Um, I can just hear your laughter through the through the camera. Um, Let's jump in. I want to start by praying. Um, will you just join me here? Lord, we do ask for your blessing. We ask for 
your anointing on this, and we want to join you in what you're doing. We don't just want to study things. We want to come to a place where we have a deeper intimacy with you. And so we ask you, Lord, reveal yourself to us. Um, Make a straight road for us to go where you're going. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, So, you know, I'm just going to jump in. Um, You know, uh, Jesus said, uh, my father's always working, and so I'm always working. Um, God is always on the move. I know you all know that. And so, you know, the question becomes um, really for us as his bride, as his church, the question becomes um, either we are in touch, joining into how he's moving, or we're not in touch. That's a very real possibility. You know, we can do many good things that are not necessarily in touch with what he's doing. You all know, we talk about this here all the time, you all know that the Lord moves in seasons. Um, You also know that we're in one. We're in a point in history. And we are also in the rhythm of God's movement. We're in a very particular season, um, like one, um, unlike any season we've ever been in before. Um, I hope you're tracking. You know, it struck me, it... it, uh, it has really struck me deeply lately that it's, um, it is not coincidence that we uh, have been moving through Passover, a, a Passover of our own, during, the, during a season of Passover. I mean, literally, we are waiting for a plague to pass over. During Passover, when we remember that they painted their doorposts with blood, they hunkered in their homes, um, in prayer, in trust in the blood of Christ, before in the blood of the Lamb, before they even really understood or knew that it was Jesus' blood, they were going through a Passover nearly identical to the Passover that we go through now. And no, I don't think that's coincidence. Those of you who know me well know that I, I don't really believe in coincidence. I, I believe God. <laughs> I believe God's on the move. Um, you know, so so there's Passover... And then, you know, seasons. Then there's the death and resurrection of Jesus where where we figure out, and we've talked about this last week, a little bit the week before, where we're moving with him through something, you know, the point of no return. Do you all remember that? So in other words, seasons where God is calling us into places we don't like, places we don't understand, and yet there's abundant life when we continue with him to those places. And then what comes next? Um... I'm going to suggest, and, and what the Lord's kind of been bringing to me as I prepare for another series that I'm really introducing here this morning, is what comes next is the period between the resurrection of our Lord and, uh, and Pentecost. Okay, so there's a 50-day period that's divided between 40 days and, and 10 days. Well, I'll, I'll just give you the quick version because I want to I want to introduce some things here. Um, the 40 days is a period where the Lord is appearing to them and preparing them for something he's about to do. And we fall in that 40 days. OK, then after that comes this 10 days. And I know you all know this one. I have a feeling we're going to talk about it more in depth in the weeks to come, but that the 10 days that follows that 40 days is a period of what you might think of as silence. 
you know, an agonizing period where, um, an agonizing period where they are literally just waiting. They're letting the pain and the stretching of the Lord with a silence from the Lord, and they're waiting. And then, of course, Pentecost comes next. Well, you know, I'm just gonna stop. Um, I'm kind of changing my game plan for this series that we're headed into now, and I don't know how many weeks, probably till Pentecost seems to make sense, but I I honestly don't know. And we are just going to talk about that 40 days. Now, let me tell you, um, before we jump into the scriptures, let me tell you what that 40 days really is. Okay, you know that in that 40 days, what's recorded in the scriptures, which actually is not much. There's not a ton of scripture there. But what is recorded there for us about that 40 days is he's appearing to his disciples, right? Now, remember with me that these are the same people who walked with him before the death and resurrection. And it was, they, they know him. They're, ver- they're very much familiar with walking with him um, before the change, the renovation of his body, the renovation of spiritual reality, the giving of the spirit, they walked with him before that, and they're very familiar with that. Now, I'm going to tell you what we're going to see, and now I'm really introducing the series that we're headed into, okay? What we're going to see recorded during this period are people who, people who know him, people who love him, who want to join into what he's doing, but they are very much in a season of a learning curve. In other words, they, so they, they know him this pre-death and resurrection way. And now, during this 40-day period, we run into this pattern where, where they don't recognize him, or at least not at first. They're trying to learn a new way. How do we relate in the Spirit with a resurrected Lord? And I want to tell you that that describes our time. That describes the season that we're in. Okay, um, in other words, they are they are beginning to walk with a resurrected Lord, and and there is absolutely recorded for us in the Word of God that there's a learning curve how we do this. Do you know that the Lord? And I, I believe I this is actually a quote from um, the sermon just before this, uh, the the Resurrection Sunday sermon. The Lord does not mean to be elusive with you. But um, as disciples who are, who are what? I think I'm going to say this several times. Who, are, who first must recognize him, have the ability, know how to recognize him. Second, to relate with him, to have that intimacy with him, right? And then what? The third thing, to receive from him. For us to be able to do those things with the resurrected Lord after having received the divine spirit, so through the Holy Spirit, to relate with the Lord in those ways, there, there is a learning curve. He, does not, he is not elusive, but there we see recorded in the scriptures that there is a way, there, there are things to learn, there is recognition to gain in how we walk with him. I, I hope you're, um, you're tracking with me here. Um, you know, we say it all the time, um, we... Christians, we the church, say all the time, well, you know, it's not, it's not religion. In fact, everything we see recorded of Jesus is that he, he hated religion. <laughs> okay, he was always opposed to it. Why? Because it's not religion, it's relationship. 
He wants an intimacy. We also say it's not works. Completely saved by grace, right? It's, it's not works. It's not performance. It's not behavior. It's what? It's, it's intimacy. It's joining in. It's interaction with the presence. It's not what we're doing. It's us joining into what he's doing. Well, those are, listen, those are great cliches. We all know that we're to be intimate with the Lord. And yet, do you ever find yourself saying, yes, but how? Are we supposed to um, know how? Are we supposed to be able to enter into an an actual engagement? And um, we're going to talk about that. You know, one thing about relating with the risen Lord is that is that we as as his followers always um, um, the call on us is to is to have an, an expectancy of encounter with him. Um, and let me just I know this is a long introduction, but it's because I'm, I'm trying to introduce um, a direction that is on my heart to go where I believe we're supposed to go, so we're joining with him. So I'm introducing a whole series here, okay? And two things that happen, and you see it in the Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament, you see it in Christian history. We, we love to error one way or another. So let's, let's just call it, there, there's two sides of a scale here, okay? There is, there is a way to engage, be in relationship with the Lord. Let's, for just now, let's call it practical, Okay, in other words, and we might say that this is the realm of signs and wonders. This is the realm of of God actually interacting with our physical world in ways that that we that we have to step back. Others may not believe it, but in our spirit, we witness something. We participate or observe something where we have to stop back and go, "Whoa, that's the Lord. Okay, let's call that practical. And. And believing that everything is supposed to be practical like that is an error. On the other hand, there's what we might call the mystical. Okay, we're spiritual beings. And this this would be, how do we interact? How do we, what? Let's say it again. How do we recognize, have intimate relationship with, and receive from these three things? How do we do that given that Jesus is, our, is the resurrected Lord, is, is a spiritual being, completely human, always human, always God, full body, but very much spiritual to the extent that they had what we're going to read in the scriptures is a steep learning curve to learn how to interact on this mystical level. And the truth is, what we're going to talk about this morning is that they are both, they, it is both. It is error to leave the practical or the mystery, the mystical side of our intimate interactions with him aside. I hope you're tracking. What did Jesus say? He said, um, it is better that I go. Do you remember why he said that? It was better that he went because he was going to give the spirit. Why, why is that so cool? Why is, why is that better? Now, you can imagine if you were one of the disciples and he said, it's better that I go. I can imagine I would have thought, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think it's better that you stay, Lord. I kind of like it this way. Well, why is it better that he goes, you know, Jesus laid down the divine attributes. And when he walked with them in that way, before the death and resurrection, um, he was in one place at one time. 
he was teaching one crowd today or having one intimate interaction with one disciple? Are you tracking with me? It's better that he goes because he released the divine breath. He released the spirit into the world so that intimacy can be continual. And, and we're going we're gonna to see that today. I believe so. So here's what we're doing. Okay. We are going to head into a series where, where I believe the Lord does not want, um, does not want it to be difficult or, or too mysterious for us to engage him in the type of intimacy that we Christians, we disciples of Jesus, often we know that that's what, that's what we are to have engage in. Um, but sometimes I wonder if we, if we have the first step in terms of how do we have that intimate relationship with him? Um, he, I, I guess I'm not finished introducing. Um, this, this is coming to my mind. You know, he's crazy about you. And he, uh, he, he crossed the universe, laid down the divine attributes, attributes, and became a man because he wanted to be that relatable to you. He wanted you to be able to ex- experience him actually as a person. He went to all that trouble to be completely relatable to you. Um, Jesus was not Gnostic. <laughs> he did not believe the physical um, was evil or, or was separate from God. In fact, every cell of your body, every bit of your existence is knit and held together in Jesus Christ. Um, he didn't say, whoops, I made, I made a body. He didn't create you and, and, then, and then go, man, I did not mean for, for it to be this physical of an existence for you. It was not a whoops. And so we're going to begin this series by talking about that. Um, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 34. Okay. And um, as you're turning there, Actually, I want, I want to share one more thing with you that's so important. Um, and this is really what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Um, it's a very simple message, but, it, but it's so important to see it really. And so we're going to do that. And, and this is the message. Do you know that Jesus never asked for, he never expected blind faith? Uh, so, somebody just felt pain or something. You're like, you're, you know, what? <laughs> he never expected blind faith. I'm going to prove it to you. He always intended to be very, very real, very personal, very relatable. He always meant for you to have experience with him. In fact, what I want to tell you is he, the word of God does not lay out a picture where, where God ever expected that we would be able to grow in him, go with him where he goes, participate in who he is without tangible presence. Are you tracking with me? Without actual encounters with him. And I, I, I hope you're I hope you're tracking with me there. Okay, let's let's um go into Psalm thirty four. Um I believe I'm gonna read the first eight verses here. Okay, and say I'm just gonna jump in. This this is David. This is a song of David. Okay, and the first line is I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now this continually, let me at all times. And this continually is much like Paul would say in his letters where he says pray without ceasing. Well, 
he is not talking about be on your knees until they bleed. That's not what we're talking about. This without ceasing must be something else. In order to do something at all times and for it to be continually, we're talking about an intimacy that, that we just live in. We're talking about an experience of presence that as the disciples of Jesus, we just have. Okay, Um, I'm going to keep reading verse two. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear, hear a sense word, shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. Now listen to me. What are we delivered from? Um, it's, we have to stop and point this out. We are delivered from all of our fears. Okay? Um, perfect love casts out fear. Are you tracking with me? Perfect, um, perfect love has no punishment. We're delivered from fears into what? We're going to read about that. And then in verse 5, we see, Then they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. And then David begins to describe himself. Now keep tracking with me. We're going somewhere. David says, This poor man. Then say something. This is the poor in spirit that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes. Okay? It's not self-abasing. We're talking about humility, humbleness, um, absolute dependence on God. He says, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Now listen, hold on to that because we're, we're getting to why we're reading this. Saved him out of all of his troubles. Verse seven says, then the angel of the Lord, it doesn't say then, um, let me try that again. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Now listen to me. Who who do who does the angel of the Lord encamp round about? Um, those who fear him. What does that mean? In other words, those who have more reverence for him and who he is than we have reverence for those troubles and fears that we're delivered out of. You know you can only really revere one thing at a time. That's worship. You can revere and and this is leading us somewhere. You can revere and worship the troubles. You can you can have a relationship with your troubles and a reverence there, or you can be delivered from all your fears and and have the Lord the, the Lord encamp around those who have their reverence in Him. Now, here's why we're reading this is actually for for this just this next verse. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. That sounds like two sentences. It's not. Let me tell you, th- this, is, this is a song, okay? Um, this is a song, and that is one line in it. That is one verse, okay? Now, I'm going to read that. In other words, they're tied together. So now listen to me. It says, um, taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now let's translate that. In other words, here's what I want you to know in order to translate this. The Lord absolutely knows that you have need to taste and see, to smell and see, to hear and see, to feel. (laughs) There wasn't a whoops. He knows that you have need of that. And so what's this saying? This says, blessed is the man who trusted him. Yeah, but how do you get there? Well, you taste and see 
that the Lord is good. That increases trust. Why does that increase faith and tr- faith and trust? Or what's the result of that? That's how we that's how we are blessed men. Are you tracking with me? Oh, I hope you're getting this. Lord, Lord, help me do this well. Taste and see. You see, these things are connected. He never meant for you to have a faith without the tasting, the seeing, the smelling, the feeling of an intimate relationship with him. He knows that for us to grow into a deeper trust so that we're with him in what he's doing, that there is, there is a part of us that must taste and see. There is a part of us where we participate in the physical, and he always planned for it to be that way. If you're scratching your head or you're wondering, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some. Um, I'm gonna, we'll do this. I'm going to move to Matthew 28 and verse 6. And, and what I'm going to do here, you know, the Lord did not let me leave the resurrection day narratives before going into, I, I've been kind of stuck in them this week. Um, stuck in the transition from, from another way to relating with a risen Lord. And, and this is where we begin to see what I talked about earlier in terms of they're in a learning curve. They're learning to relate with him in this way that's not exactly the same. Can anybody relate? Okay, so it's verse uh, Matthew 28, 6. Here it says, um, this, these are the angels speaking to those coming to the tomb. And it says, he's not here, for he's risen, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. Did you catch it? See, I want to tell you something. I th- in fact, let me read. Let's do one more, and then I'm going to tell you something. Mark 16, verse 6. Here, it's, it's essentially exactly the same thing. It says, but he said to them, uh, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. I'm going to tell you something. The angels know something about us that I think we lose touch with. The angels understand something about God's order and how and how God understands us and is crazy about us. They are testifying to something that they know. They know that you need to see. In fact, I'm, I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure that in three of the four Gospels, there's a recording where the angels, what they say to them is, come and see. Come look. God does not disregard our need to see. In fact, I'm going to go on now to another, go to the Gospel of John, chapter 20 and verse 13. And we're just going to pick up the narrative here. Now, this is going to go, this is going to go way deeper on, a, on another deeper level. So put your seatbelt on. Here, um, in, starting in verse 13, it says, this is Mary talking. She, she said to them, um, she's telling them why she's downcast or why she's troubled, weeping. And she says, because they've taken my Lord away. They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now, when she'd said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And just notice, in our seeking of him, he has tangible interaction with us this is part of the risen lord pattern we're seeing there he is he's standing there and did uh and did not know that it was jesus she saw him standing there and she did not know that it was him she's in the learning curve are you tracking jesus said to her woman why are you weeping 
Why are you seeking? We talked about that last week. Her behavior is not yet matching the risen, the, the, the renovation of the universe that he's risen. Okay? Now, the next part, in uh, second half of verse 15, goes and says, she, supposing him to be the gardener, <laughs> please don't pass over that. She supposes that Jesus is the gardener. And so thinking that he's the gardener, she goes and says this, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and, and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. So what's, what, is, um, what does he say to her? He says her name. Hold that. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is teacher, okay, master, teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Now, let's, <laughs> let's just break this down for a minute. Listen, we're, we're talking about the learning curve of becoming a people that are both physical and creatures that are transfigured, transformed into people that where our spirit has been made alive by the divine breath through the work of Christ coming is, um, comes back into us in that finished work, in that transition. What did we just read? She, she reckons him as the gardener and he says her name. She immediately recognizes him as teacher and then she says, don't cling to me. That, that supposes that, <laughs> that when she realized it was him, she did, I, I picture kind of like um, where you're playing with your, your, your children, your nieces, nephews, and they, they like to cling around your legs and you do the, like, you know, or you walk them on your leg. Th- this is what she's doing. And, and you know, you, you can only imagine that Jesus is doing the, uh, the kind of, whoa, you know, lady, social distance here. <laughs> How about an elbow pump? <laughs> let, let go of me, okay? That, that's what we're reading. Like, ooh, easy down, okay? And it is her name. Now I'm going to focus on this for a minute. I, I want to tell you that throughout the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, in my personal testimony, let me testify to you of something that's true. Um, there is a recognition when when we hear our name in God's voice. There is a recognition of who he is. Now, I want to tell you something you're getting. I promise in this series, I, I believe God's calling me to, to give practical things. So we begin to to be a deeper people in a deeper intimacy that are that what the three things recognize him have intimate relationship with, continual conversation with, and are able to receive from him. You got it? Those three things. We're, we're called to that kind of intimacy. And here's the first practical thing I believe the Lord wants you to have in the recognition of hearing your voice, uh, your name, in his voice, there is recognition of him. Now, um, now I want this to be practical. I want this to be real for you. So, so listen, so, um, I know that you know what I'm talking about, even if you, even if you don't think you do yet. Um, there are those moments in prayer or just walking through your day that you, you know there's, an, uh, there's a grab of your attention. Okay? There, there's a moment where the Lord 
speaks your name. This, these are not just thoughts, the barrage of thoughts you're having throughout the day, but you, you literally have a sense where, where you hear the Lord for me. I, I, I hear the Lord say Paul and it grabs my attention and I listen to what comes next. It's recognizing him, having intimate relation, conversation with him and, and the, to, to be able to receive what is freely given. We, we see that in this story um, Jesus speaks her name. You see it with with characters throughout um, throughout the scriptures, and that is one way that in the spirit and in having an alive spirit, you have opportunity to have recognition of Him, so that you slow, so that you get still enough, not to miss when He's shown up, not to fail to recognize Him when He shows up. Um, I want to I want to keep this go. We're going somewhere powerful. Okay, so go with me. Uh, same chapter. We're in John twenty. I want you to move forward to verse twenty four. Remember, this is in the forty days. Okay, this is in their learning curve of of um, of how they relate with him after rising from the dead. Okay, so verse twenty four here. You're all going to know this story. Um, this is Thomas. And it begins by saying, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. In other words, um, it would be eleven now, and he was off somewhere when the other ten had that the visitation of the Lord when, when he came in and, and met with them. Of course, they didn't recognize him at first either, right? And you all know that story. Now, Thomas comes, and he was not a part of that. Verse 25, the other disciples, therefore, said to him, we have seen the Lord. What are they doing? They're testifying of what they have seen, heard, had tangible experience with. It's so important you gather that. They have a testimony now. Why? Because they've seen, heard, smelled, sensed, been there for a tangible encounter. Okay, so they have this testimony. And so here's what Thomas says in response to their testimony. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Help me with this, Lord. Okay, okay, now listen. Here's what you're hearing. You're hearing Thomas say out loud, in this physical world, Thomas is saying, unless I see, do you hear the sense word? I see his hands and the print of the nail. But is that enough? That like, well, if I saw him, I'd believe. He doesn't stop there, does he? He goes on and he says, and unless I put my finger into the print of the nails, unless I touch the evidence, and, and unless I put my hand into his side, I'll not believe. You talk about a violation of social distancing. <laughs> Think about what this is saying. He's been, he's been stabbed. He's been sliced in the side. And Thomas is saying, unless I can put my hand into his belly <laughs> where, he's been, where he's been stabbed, I'm not going to believe. Thomas is being honest about where he's at. He's being honest about, you know what? I have need to see and touch the Lord to go to the place of belief where I need to be. Thomas is stating this. Now, this is so good. Go with me. 
verse 26 goes on and says, after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Now track with me. In other words, this just told us that eight days has now passed by. Thomas was in the room. He heard the testimony of his brothers in this room that Jesus is alive. And, and he says, I'm not going to believe unless I have tangible experience of the evidence of the risen Lord, okay? And eight days passes by. There's a period where he's waiting, where he's spoken what I need to be where you're trying to bring me, Lord, to the place of faith you're trying to bring me. This is what I need. And eight days passes by, and, and it says eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut. What's that saying? That the place was locked up. You weren't, weren't going to walk through the door. That's what that means. The place is locked up and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Now, we've talked about this. So Jesus shows up in the room and says, have the kingdom to Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, Jesus speaking, listen, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Listen what he says. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Let me tell you something. Church, we've, we've got to meditate on these things to, to, get, to really get the gold of what, of what Jesus wants us to know. He's teaching us how to relate with him as the risen Lord here. This is the best pattern we have for the time that we live in. And now, now listen to me. What I want you to notice is that he repeats to Thomas the exact words Thomas spoke. Now, notice something with me. Jesus, what did Jesus say? Jesus says, ask anything in my name. Ask anything of the Father in my name, and you, you will have it. Now, I don't, I'm not claiming Thomas knew that he was praying, but I am telling you that eight days before this, when Thomas said, this is what I need, Lord, I need to have tangible experience. I need to have t- um, experienceable um, encounters with you of your love of who you are. I need to have an actual relationship, not something that is so mystical and elusive that I have to convince myself it happened. Thomas is saying, I need real relationship with a, if you're risen, if you are alive and active in, in my life, then I need a tangible experience with you. And Jesus literally repeats the words. Now, Thomas's words. Now, um, track with me. You realize that um, in Thomas's experience, Jesus was not in the room when Thomas said those things. Are you tracking with me? In other words, um, as far as Thomas is concerned, he said those words and, and Jesus was not there. Now, eight days later, G- Jesus plans an intimate encounter. I'm going to suggest not eight days later. I'm not saying that right. The moment Thomas spoke it. Jesus planned an intimate encounter, a tangible experience with Thomas. For Thomas to to um, to have an intimacy with the Lord, to, he heard what Thomas needed, and he speaks Thomas's words back to him. He finishes, and I read this already, but he finishes by saying, "Do not be unbelieving, but be believing." 
Listen to me, that is the heart of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. Um, just let yourself off the hook. Let it go. The Lord knows that you are a physical creature. He knows that you have needs. He knows you need to see and taste that the Lord is good, that he is alive, that he's nuts about you. He knows you need to see and experience that he has plans for you. He does know that, and he is relentless. We see it over and over. I'm just giving you really one story or a couple of stories, but he is relentlessly faithful for those who seek him. For those who who um, are aware that I have this need, I'm honest enough to speak it to you, and, I, and I, Lord, I am seeking you to have these experiences. Let me tell you what I need. He is relentless to provide them. Yes, he's that crazy about you. <laughs> he is that nuts about you. He wants to hear what you need in order to go to the next place with him and live and join with him in what he's doing. Because the next verse 28, it says, And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. In other words, not just Thomas's desire. It is certainly hunger that drives Thomas to say, man, I want to believe with you, but I, I need this. But I want to tell you, Jesus has a hunger too. He loves you that much. Jesus, Jesus met Thomas in exactly where Thomas was to bring Thomas to the point to say, my Lord and my God. Now, I have to address this next verse um, because if I don't, you all will read on <laughs> and you'll do what I think we always do with this verse. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are, blessed are those who've not seen and yet have believed. Now, I want to tell you what we do, what kind of legalistic, ab abusive thing we do with this even with ourself. I don't mean people doing it to you. I believe we do it to ourself. We're, we're perfectly good at spiritually abusing ourselves all the time. You know that, right? Um, what we do is we say, we think Jesus is giving Thomas a hard time. That's, that's what we read into those words. We think he's being harsh. We think, we think he's going, going, man, well, you had to do it this way, but now track with me. <laughs> Jesus has been faithfully, ever since he rose, ever since the moment that he, he came and defeated death and came out of that grave, he has been um, meeting people, encountering people in tangible ways. Um, in, in, in the love that he has for people, he is meeting them, giving them experiences with himself um, from the very beginning. And he is faithful enough to show up and do it for Thomas. So I just got to put this out there. He's not giving Thomas a hard time. He's talking about the exception. You know, he's, listen, he's talking about becoming a people where we've, we've seen and tasted that the Lord is good. We've had intimacy with him. We've had, we've had smells. This, this verse is not a condemning word on the fact that you're physical and you need to have tangible relationship with Jesus. That is not what he's saying. In fact, it goes on. I want to show you this. Verse 30 goes on and, and, and says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. 
Did, did you catch that? Many other signs. Jesus did many other signs in the presence, in the present moment, a tangible, real moment. He did many other things with who? With his disciples, of which you are one, that are, that are written in this book. Why? I want to tell you why. It's because he knows that you have need of actual, experienceable relationship with him. And in this series, we're, we're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to look at the learning curve. I, I am still learning. And I'm going to venture to guess that you are still learning how you have tangible relationship with a Lord who is alive, risen, active in your life, and nuts about you. If that sounds good, keep going in this series because there, there's so many things the Lord's putting in my heart. Where he, he is so interested in having an interaction with you, a continu- continually and without ceasing interaction with you where, where he has planned moments that are even more powerful, moments of intimacy where he's going to meet you in tangible ways in your days. We've already talked about one. When you sense the Lord using your name, that's tangible. Stop and notice. I'm going to show you one more verse and, um, and we might move somewhere. You know, actually, before I do that, I, I'm, I'm going to be uh, a little risky here. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to give you one of my testimonies, okay? Um, I was, I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before, but in uh, one of the, the last two years, I was at a conference, um, and uh, just a great conference. And one of the things that they do there is they, they have a worship time. Is anybody missing our worship time? <laughs> I've got my hand up. Um, they have a worship time, and it's just wonderful. And, and um, much like we do here in this church, they also, during that time, they have um, opportunities to receive ministry, hands-on ministry. And there was an opportunity to, um, to go and be anointed. And I just felt my spirit lurch. And, you know, usually when there's an opportunity to go forward for ministry like that, I go. I can think of rare occasions that I think, nah. <laughs> It's just not me. I just, generally speaking, I'm like, if you're going to offer the things of the kingdom, I'm going. Uh, pray for me. Anoint me. Well, this was an opportunity for anointing, and um, I just about leapt out of my chair. Um, I'm, I'm going to be first in line up there. Um, <laughs> and and I'm anointed, and I can remember, first of all, I had a tangible experience. I'm not asking you to believe that. I'm just telling you, I had an undeniably, that's my testimony, tangible experience of the Lord in the Holy Spirit coming upon me. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, in the process of this, um, I was anointed with the oil, okay? Um, fresh anointing is what the ministry call was. And the oil had an incredibly vibrant smell. And um, in fact, I was, it was just, um, I can still smell it in this moment as I stand here um, in my mind's eye, my mind's nose. Is that a thing? Um, and it was a wonderful experience, the touch of the Lord. I was on top of the world, you know, it's a conference. I, I would drive back. It was one of those where I was driving home and then driving back down each morning to come, come to the next day. The next day I drive down. And they, they started with another time of worship. And uh, the musician began to play. We began to have a wonderful time of praise. And we began to worship him. And, and um, the next thing I knew, 
um, my senses, my nose began to be filled with that powerful fragrance of the anointing. So literally that, that, that anointing oil. Um, in such vivid reality that I began to look around the room. I'm looking for um, who's being anointed, who busted out the oil, right? I'm looking around for this and I'm seeing that um, there is no oil out. No one's being anointed. And I sense the Lord, um, I sense the Lord say my name, said Paul. And I, I sensed in my spirit that he said, remember you're anointed. And I was overwhelmed with the smell of his anointing over me in this time of worship, 24 hours later. The Lord wants you to have experiences with him. It's time we believe that. Open. It's time that um, we need to begin to open our hearts to the fact that the Lord wants to have relationship with you. He wants to have encounters it doesn't matter what anybody else believes. He wants to have encounters in the place of your belief that are tangible, that you can say, the Lord loves me so much. Let me tell you, after that time of worship, I went out of that room with such, such a tangible experience of his love that I didn't know what to do with myself. I am loved like that. Know that I am loved like that. The Lord wanted to have an encounter with me. That was just for me. And he knows that I need that. What did, you know what? I'm going back. What did David's psalm say? It said, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? Because he knows you need that. And that leads to what it's connected to that so that I can be a blessed man. Because tasting and seeing, having, having tangible encounter with the Lord brings me to a place where I trust in him in this way because I have had experience with the Lord. He's risen, he's not dead, and he's crazy about you. <laughs> okay, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if I did this yet anymore. Verse 31, um, if not, we're going to do it again. <laughs> Verse 31, but those, so actually let me go back to 30 since I've been I've been going on so long. It says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Two things, right? What? These are written that what? Number one, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Notice it doesn't say that you may believe that Jesus is. <laughs> That's a no-brainer, okay? We need the, the alive spirit through tangible encounter with Jesus to know that he's the Christ. What's the difference between the two? Knowing that Jesus is and knowing that he's the Christ. Knowing that he's large and in charge in your life. That he's, he's the risen Lord under which all authority has been given. Everything's been put under his feet. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. You see, to know those things is not the same as knowing that Jesus is. To know that Jesus is the Christ is a whole other category of intimacy with him. And if this scripture is acknowledging that, that what? These signs, these tangible things are written so that you can know that. What's the second thing? And... Um, 
so that you can know that he's the Christ, the Son of God, and number two, and that believing you may have life in his name. Okay, I'm just going to begin wrapping with this thought. Okay, that you may have life in his name. Notice that it doesn't say um, that, that believing you may have life. It doesn't stop there. This is talking about, you know, Jesus told us the reason he came. He came that you would have life and life more abundant. He literally states that. He, that is a quote <laughs> of Jesus, that you'd have life. And here it says that, why is this stuff recorded? Why are these tangible things put into our life and recorded on the heart? Why is the law now written on the heart? Why, is it, why are the living words of God written on our heart? Here it is, that believing you may have life, and it doesn't stop there, in his name. What's the difference? In other words, that, that the life that comes from his authority being upon us, being in us, being over our life, is in, is grown, and is sustained in tangible, experienceable relationship with Jesus. He never intended for you to have blind faith. In fact, I think the word of God warns against it. He never, he never intended for us to be a people that, that, would have to, um, that would have to just believe on a whim, believe on our gut. He always intended to be a God that has intimate relationship with you. <laughs> I ended up doing um, the introduction as the whole message. <laughs> I didn't expect that. And, you know, that's a good thing. We're going we're gonna to be in this series for a while. I, I hope, you know, I'm just going to conclude with this and then I want to pray with you. In fact, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. This is what I really want to do. Um, I just want to conclude with this. I hope that what we've done today, together, is create a hunger that's maybe bigger than you've even ever had before. And I know you guys, I, you, you guys have pretty big hunger. But I hope that this made a hunger that's even bigger. I hope it, it makes you dissatisfied with lacking actual encounter with Jesus in your days. Do you expect him today? Um, he wants to have a moment with you today, tomorrow. Um, the Word of God says things like we read at all times and, and continually and without ceasing. We see these words all the time. That's a relationship that's, if it's without ceasing, it's today. <laughs> if it's continually, it's tomorrow. You got it? So I, I just hope, my, my prayer, even before we began our time together today, my prayer is that you is that God would begin building a hunger, the kind that leads to repentance. That's not being sorry for your sins. Repentance is, is, um, is turning, is changing to something new, okay? Ch a deeper level of resurrected life. I hope that the hunger becomes so great that the things that the Lord opens up for us in this series are things that you're just so hungry you can reach out and grab them. Like the characters we read, like Mary that clings to his feet. Like Thomas, who, who just immediately declares, Lord, 
Okay, I recognize you. What's what? This this series is about um, we have a continual, without ceasing invitation to recognize him, to be in intimate, experienceable relationship with him, conversation, and to receive from him everything that's freely given. And that's what we're going to do. But you know, I want to start right now. I just want to have a prayer time with you. Um, I'm just going to open in prayer. And then I'm going to leave you moments of silence, okay? And um, this is what's on my heart. Uh, remember Thomas with me for a moment. Boldly and without reserve, he makes it known. He speaks out what he needs to go into the deeper trust and intimacy with the Lord so he can be a blessed man. He needs to see and touch. And, and we do too. So, so, you know, this is what I want to do. I, wanna, I want to have our faith expanded in what God wants to give us right now. And I, I believe that he's, he's going to do this if we ask for it. What did he say? Ask anything of the Father in my name, in my name, and I grant it. So we're going to ask something. Um, after I open in prayer, I'm going to give you the opportunity to just kind of take an inventory. Be honest with yourself. What do I need? That's the question you want to ask. Lord, what do I need to see, taste, smell, feel? What kind of encounters do I need with you to go to the next deeper that you're calling me into, Lord? Because let me tell you something, church. We are going to deeper places. You can take it to the bank. This is a season. Get ready. We're going deeper places. And you're either in touch with his movement or you're not. We need to be deeper. So I'm going to open in prayer, okay? And then I'm going to lead you and I'm going to give you some moments. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your crazy love over us. We thank you, Lord. And I ask that right right here in these moments for for every listener, every viewer, that you would come, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to um, to just to flow your love, your presence over them. And Lord, I ask that you would that you would grant a spirit of honesty, a spirit of revelation of themselves, Lord, that they would be able to see what they need and ask you for it. I encourage you. I'm going to give you a few moments. You just you just take your time with the Lord. I'm going to give you just a few minutes. And, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you take an inventory. What do you need to see, experience with Him? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you just one more minute because um, I'm sensing that some of you, some of you, you feel like you didn't receive anything. And that's okay. That's okay. But I'm going to put this out there. Take one more moment. If that's you, or even if it's not you, 
if that's you, take one more moment to just ask, um, Lord, what is that crave? What is that little hunger you've been putting in my heart that I can't seem to touch? Okay, now look at me, and we're, um, <laughs> I'm just going to talk to you for a minute, and then I'm going to close in prayer, okay? Um, what he did with Thomas, what he did with the Marys, what he did with the eleven in the upper room, what, what he does, because he's, he hungers for you, he loves you like that. What he does is he wants to meet the prayer that, that you, you just offered him. He cares about what you need. Okay, so here's the thing. As we move forward, I'm going to pray that there's, I'm going to pray for you and I, I invite you to join me. We're going to ask for the answer to this, okay? But, but your assignment, should you choose to accept, is to open your heart, open your eyes, your ears, your sense of touch as you go through this next week and the weeks ahead of you and let him answer that prayer. Let him provide for you what you need to have tangible experience to go to the next glory, glory to glory, to the next deeper level. Are you tracking? Okay, now I'm going to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for all the honesty, all the, all the risk that everyone has just offered you to, to let you know. And Lord, Lord we want to acknowledge before you that this is risky. This means we now have to have a belief that you, that you love us enough and that you want to answer that prayer. That's, that's risky. And so I thank you, Lord, for the courage that we've all had in this time to, to offer you honesty from our heart to tell you what we need. And I ask in the name of Jesus, in the authority of your name, I ask two things. One, Lord, that these desires that have been expressed that they, they may not be touched by the enemy in any way. There will be no tampering with, with the intimacy that, that these folks who are seeking you just offered. You cannot touch it in the name of Jesus. Hands off. <laughs> and the second thing, Lord, I just pray that there will be a release of your spirit that... Um, in fact, I just want to thank you. I just want to give you my faith. I want to thank you that you go before them and that you are planning right now, even in the moments that they speak it, that you are planning intimate moments to answer this prayer. Worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. God bless you all. This is where we're going. <laughs> we're going to we're going to go into a deeper intimacy with him